Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The final offseason milestone before the draft occurs when the NFL pulls back the curtain and reveals the regular season schedule for all teams and fan bases to toil over for the rest of the offseason. How has the path been laid out, and is it as ugly as before? All of this and so much more on the 2018 schedule release episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And so it has been laid out, the path between the Bears and Destiny in 2018, whatever that may be, when the NFL uh, released the schedule last night for everyone to see. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the 2018 schedule release episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And, uh, you know, uh, as I've said many times uh, in the past, um, Ever since the NFL started doing that thing where where they have to keep the schedule under wraps until their schedule release shows come on in prime time, the the day the schedule comes out, it is the worst kept secret in sports. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, just going through my Twitter feed, I wasn't even looking for it. That's you know, like without even trying, I was able to discover about eight or nine of the Bears games. Uh, yesterday before you know it was leaked at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon two hours before those shows hit the air it's like why don't they just go ahead and do what they used to do just release the schedule there's nothing stopping you from having those shows and your analysis people are going to watch it anyway you think the only reason they're watching is because the schedule comes out like it's not available in a million different places after it's officially out it's just ridiculous so you know it's just like i said the worst kept secret in sports uh, on the day that it's supposed to be released i could ascertain like you know one tweet that i saw i knew the first and last game of the bear season it was a uh i forget who i was following that was talking about the packers but announced that oh week one sunday night football bears and week 17 for green bay was detroit which automatically means since every week 17 matchup is a divisional matchup. If Green Bay's playing Detroit, we're playing the Vikings. So there we go. One tweet. I found out two games just like that. So, and, uh, you know, the schedule comes out, and sure enough, it's absolutely true. So, yeah, worst kept secret in sports, um, on especially on the day that it comes out, that uh, the NFL schedule, it's kind of a joke. You know, <laughs> it's uh, kind of like uh, Oz behind the curtain. Ignore that man standing over there. You know, just uh, don't look over here kind of thing. That's that's kind of what the NFL schedule is on the day that it's supposed to be released and trying to keep it under wraps until the primetime show starts and, and all the rest of that nonsense. You know, I remember on the day the schedule was going to be released, it would come out at like noon or something like that. And I would still go home from work that night and watch the show on ESPN or the NFL Network to, to see their nutty analysis of, of the schedule or whatever coincidences and things like that, that they could find uh in there so we'll get to the schedule here uh in just a little bit but for the first time in a while got quite a few uh news and notes to dig through um so we'll go ahead and dive into that real quick um first things first uh sees the bears will uh like they did a couple years ago with the with the patriots will have uh joint practices with the denver broncos before their uh preseason game um, I think that like the thing it said Wednesday and Thursday they're going to be having practices. They're taking Friday off and playing the game uh, on Saturday for the Bears. This would be their third preseason game for the Broncos. It would only be the second because the Bears are playing in that Hall of Fame 
games. So the Bears and Ravens have five preseason games to play this year. Everybody else just has the four. So this would be the third preseason game for the Bears, not the dress rehearsal, but the third preseason game for the Bears and the second for the Broncos. So they'll be doing those joint practices and button heads uh, with the Broncos. And uh, I'm sure the players will enjoy that because the, the one thing that I remember about uh, my football playing days was how much I hated camp. And not because it's hot and, you know, the, the rigors and all that kind of stuff, but I just got tired of trying to beat up my own teammates. I was ready to hit somebody else, which is why we were all like animals that first week of the season when we actually finally got to hit new people. You know, the only other thing that we look forward to uh, as much as that is uh, when we as varsity players, when the sophomores would come to scrimmage us because then we finally got to beat up somebody who wasn't our teammate. So um, I'm sure the players will enjoy it, uh, be able to, like I said, be able to hit somebody that isn't a teammate, uh, some new uh, some new blood, if you will, to pursue uh, in the practice sessions should liven things up a bit when, uh, you know, they're out there going at it with each other. Um, earlier this week, the Bears had a voluntary veteran minicamp. I don't remember hearing uh, anyone that didn't show up. The Bears are not in a, a spot right now where somebody's, you know, holding out for money or in a contract dispute or anything like that. So uh, unless there's a, a tweet out there that I missed somewhere, participation was 100% uh, for this uh, veteran uh, min in uh, voluntary minicamp that took place on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and the Bears signed two tryout players um, after the minicamp. Uh, wide receiver Marlon Brown, who was, I think, a, a draft choice for the Baltimore Ravens, because it said in the when I was looking him up, uh, his best season was his rookie year for the Ravens in 2013. Uh, had, um, I think, 50 or so catches, seven touchdown passes. That's not bad. Uh, and I guess he kind of, I don't know if it was injuries or what have you. I think he was out of football last year completely. Uh, was last with the Broncos in 2016 as a special teams player. Um, and, you know, had a tryout with us here in uh, in Chicago and did well enough. And uh, at the very least, got an invite to training camp. Uh, also joining him will be defensive end Nick Williams, was a draft choice of the Steelers back in 2014, I believe, 2013. Uh, spent a few years with the Chiefs, so Nagy might have some familiarity with him, even though he's on the defensive side of the ball. He will also be joining the Bears uh, when training camp uh, commences at the, uh, the, well, we get to go a week early, so the middle of July as opposed to the end uh, with everyone else. Speaking of players signed, Bryce Callahan has signed his uh, restricted free agent tender, so he will come back uh, to the team. I don't know how much digging Bryce Callahan did or how much attention he got. I haven't heard uh, anything like that. But um, for someone who was an undrafted free agent, he's one of the more productive uh, guys that we've had. You know, forced into duty, like most people have been, wearing a bear uniform uh, the last couple of years, thanks to the fact that we've got, uh, you know, under, under John Fox, we had more guys on IR than we had on the freaking roster uh, most of the time. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, Bryce Callahan, you know, Showed signs of why he was an undrafted free agent, but at the same time, you know, was playing pro-level football, man. He was getting the job done most of the time. I think he's still even our uh, starting nickelback uh, right now. So uh, I think he was in and out of the lineup, had some injury problems in 2017, but nonetheless, he's back and will be with the Bears. He signed his tender. I'm pretty sure he was at the camp uh, this week. So, uh, and then a couple more things. Uh, number one, it may not seem it may seem like a no-brainer uh decision but the bears have one coming up uh on kevin white and uh, as all first round picks have they all sign uh four-year contracts with a fifth year club option so the bears have an option to pick up the fifth year of the contract and um when they do i believe it's uh they are then like that fifth year becomes a um like the top 10 of their position and for kevin white it would be a just the just a shade over 13.9 million so let's just round up and say 14 million dollars if the bears pick up that option now for a guy who's played five games in four seasons that sounds absolutely ridiculous and uh i would 100 percent agree with you but all that i've heard about kevin white as far as matt Nagy is concerned and ryan pace and everything is that you know maybe the the health of cam meredith's knee and the 
you know, Kevin White period, uh, maybe that was the reason that made Cam, you know, Cam Meredith expendable was because, you know, Kevin White, uh, you know, they want to give Kevin White a chance or they're going to give him every opportunity. Now, does that mean they're going to pick up a $14 million option on him? I don't think so, but it's not as black and white as most people would think it was, especially with the way things have been looking lately uh, with the Bears. You just have no idea. So uh, I don't think they will do it, uh, but they have until May 3rd, which is, I think, a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about two and a half weeks from now to decide whether or not Kevin White is worth the uh, is worth hanging on to or will uh, will they let him, uh, you know, go after the you know or will he become a free agent after his after this season after 2018 will he become a free agent and uh, be able to test the waters and 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 what have you i think that's probably the most likely uh scenario uh at this point just based on you know well i mean you can't really even say production because there hasn't really been any but the fact that he's entering his fourth year and he has yet to even play half a season at this point total in four seasons has not played or three full seasons, he has not played a half season yet combined in the first three seasons of his career. So, um, you know, like I said, it, the decision is coming on May 3rd. It's, you know, logic says it's a no-brainer. They won't pick up the option. This will be his the last year of his rookie contract, and we'll see what happens uh, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, they have the cap space, and you never know. You just never know. So we'll see. I don't think they'll do it, but it's it's out there. It's definitely out there. They've been talking him up pretty big. You know, maybe they're doing that because, you know, they want to uh, build him up so maybe they can trade him during training camp, get a little something for him or, or what have you. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So I don't think they'll pick it up. Logic would say that they shouldn't, but you never know. So, And then finally, something that uh, – Something that makes my heart happy when I heard about it. They made it official. There have been rumors and rumblings about whether or not this was going to happen. It's official, and it's going to happen on Monday when Devin Hester and Matt Forte sign one-day contracts to retire uh, as Bears uh, on Monday, and that's going to be awesome. You know, those two guys, uh, you know, coming back home uh, where they belong, where they're, where they're, you know, the most successful parts of their careers took place. Um, one, I believe is a hall of famer, probably won't get in on the first ballot or, or anything like that. He'll probably be one of those guys that, uh, you know, one of these days he might get in kind of thing. And of course I'm talking about Hester and the only thing hurting him is the fact that he just, he was a, a kick returner, but he was one, he was a one in a million kick returner that, uh, you know, you had to game plan for. I mean, that's, you know, if, if they have to game plan for you as a special teamer, you're definitely making an impact. And Hester did that throughout his entire career. Even in the years when he didn't score and he returned touchdowns, he was still the most dangerous kick returner uh, in football, has the most all-time you know, return touchdowns in, in pro football uh, history. Unfortunately, he wasn't in a bear uniform when he broke that record. He was in the uniform when he tied it, but not when he broke it. And, um, you know, was finally calling it uh, quits uh, officially. And he and Matt Forte will be retiring together. I believe that will be at Hallis Hall uh, on Monday. And I was very happy to hear that that was an official thing that will be taking place. And it's, uh, it's, it's really good to see those guys come home, uh, sign, and, and finish with the Bears the way they started and uh, you know move on to the next phase uh, in their lives. So I was really happy uh, to hear that that was going to officially happen. And it will go down on Monday. So... Boy, I blew right through that, didn't I? I thought I had more stuff. But that's uh, that's what I got for the uh, news and notes section. So what do you say we go ahead and dig in? Let's take a look at the schedule and what the path for success will look like for the Bears in 2018. Last night, the NFL schedule was officially released, even though it was leaked and bits and pieces, and then finally whole around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. And uh, the path laid out for our beloved Chicago Bears and what the first year of the Matt Nagy era will look like. And, um, you know, the NFL, uh, you're kind of hoping for the schedule to be a little bit lighter in the beginning because, uh, you know, 
it's it's been uh, a road to hoe, especially since John Fox took over. Just looking at the schedule for the first, you know, three, four weeks of the season in 2016, 15, 16, and 17 have all been like, oh, jeez, we're going to beat ourselves. We're going to dig ourselves into a hole. And sure enough, 2015, we started 0-3. 2016, we were 0-3. 2015, we were 0-2 before we finally snuck one in on the Steelers uh, week three last year. So winning the first game of the season hasn't really been a thing for the Bears in quite some time. So... Um, you know, I think even Tressman started out 0-1 in 2014, so we haven't won a season opener since Tressman started 3-0 in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, and the NFL doing us no favors whatsoever when it comes to the first game of the Matt Nagy era. Uh, it's, it's got us in Green Bay on Sunday night football to start off the year. And there are two ways to look at this. Number one... Ah, oh, jeez. Really? This is this is what we're doing? Week one, this is what we're doing? Or how I'd glass half full prefer to look at it, which is, um, you know, it, it seems like the NFL is uh, setting Green Bay up to fail on this one because the last time that the Bears were in a similar situation was on Thanksgiving night in 2015 where I said from the moment the schedule was released that there is no way in hell the Bears are going to win this game. I mean, they're absolutely everything possible stacked up against them. Number one, it was Thanksgiving. The Bears don't have the greatest record in the world on Thanksgiving. It was national TV. It was Green Bay in Lambeau on Brett Favre Jersey retirement night. There is no way in hell the football gods will allow the Bears to win this one. And what happened? We went out there and shocked the world. So here we are once again, a similar situation because the kickoff of the season, the, they, the Packers, I believe, even requested this game. So that's strike one. And it's uh, on national television, Sunday Night Football, where the Bears have been embarrassed plenty of times against Green Bay. But it is to commemorate the 100th season of Green Bay Packer football. So to kick it off against your biggest rival on national television, hmm, new coach, you know, probably going to be putting out a lot of stuff on there on the offensive side of the ball and a lot of people haven't seen before. You know, this this feels very, you know, Bears against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in 1996. That's how, that's how this feels right now. The Cowboys were the defending world champions. You know, for some reason we're starting on the road, but on Monday Night Football, you know, uh, on national TV, like the world champs always did, playing against uh, a team they should have uh, mopped up quite easily and got their asses handed to them by the Bears. And, of course, the rest of the season was crap because I think the Bears were 7-9 and nine at best that year. But, nonetheless, they kicked off the year by kicking the crap out of the world champions for the whole world to see. Could this be, you know, there's just that one magical night where everyone is expecting Green Bay to stomp right over the Bears like they usually do on national television, uh, kill them, you know, because uh, I don't how many, it's like, I think they said seven or eight years in a row that the Bears at Lambeau has been on national TV. So we've had, what, two, three Thursday night games. We've had uh, Sunday night football uh, and whatnot. I can't remember the last time I saw the Bears play Green Bay on Monday night. That was in 2013. That's when, uh, that's when, uh, uh, Shane McClellan hurt uh, Rodgers back in 2013. That was Monday Night Football. I'm pretty sure it was. So, I mean, it's still been, what, five years since the Bears played Green Bay in Lambeau on Monday night. But nonetheless, every game since, I think, 2008, 2009 has been on national television in Lambeau. And here we are again, kicking off the schedule at Lambeau. So, depends on how you want to look at it. You know, has the NFL set up Green Bay to fail? Have the Packers set them up to fail? Because uh, word is they requested that the Bears be the first game of the season on national television to commemorate year number 100 of Green Bay Packer football and have the Bears come out there and uh, get the lead back or, or, or tie the series up again uh, as far as uh, you know the, the season series between the two. Or are we two games behind? I don't know. I think we're two games behind now. Nonetheless, to, to get closer to getting the series back tied and, and what have you. But... Uh, you know, depends on how you want to look at it. Is this like, oh, geez, you know, national TV, Sunday Night Football at Green Bay? 
Oh Christ! This is how we're going to start the Matt Nagy era with a with a nationally televised ass whooping, you know? Or will it be another Thanksgiving night? Will it be that everybody, including Bear fans, are anticipating a huge loss by the Bears and they come out and shock the world and embarrass Green Bay on the 100th anniversary of pro football in in in, in Lambeau and uh, steal a victory to kick off the Matt Nagy era? Now. I'm not going to be foolish and start making record predictions. It's April. We haven't had the draft yet. We don't know what other people were going to sign to the roster and what have you. So I'm going to save my too early schedule win-loss record predictions for the summer when we get closer to training camp and we actually have a full roster of players that we're going to be in there. We know who our draft picks are and and what our roster makeup is going to look like. I'm not going to sit here and do this now. So uh, I think it's silly. I've done it in the past, and you know it didn't really feel that great back then either. So I'm not going to do it now. However, we will be witnessing history this year, not only because the Bears are starting the season on national television to kick off 100 years uh, for the Packers, but for the first time in franchise history, the first two games of the year are on national television. They will back up uh, Sunday Night Football at Green Bay by kicking off at home the following week on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. So, um, you know, number one, that week one matchup with Green Bay, that's uh, that's a tough one. That is a perspective thing. How you want to look at it uh, going into it? Do we want to look at it like this is going to be another trouncing like it always is on national TV in Green Bay? Or, you know, can we steal one from them while they got their pants down? Or can the Bears blindside them? with a bunch of things that nobody's ever seen before and, and, you know, get off to a, to a hot start against them and, and, and what have you. Then week two is where things get interesting with the Seahawks, because last year was the first year that they hadn't made the playoffs in at least five seasons. You know, they've been to a few Super Bowls. They've won, you know, brought a home Lombardi trophy and whatnot. Um, the Seahawks have trimmed away a lot of the fat of their roster And by the fat of their roster, I mean some of their biggest stars like Richard Sherman. The Legion of Boom pretty much does not exist uh, anymore. You know, I think Earl Thomas is all that's left of it at the moment. And, um, you know, they're trying to retool and and put the team back together. They let Jimmy Graham go in free agency. We'll see him week one uh, in Green Bay, uh, as a matter of fact. But um, the Seahawks are a different looking team. Are they rebuilding or are they reloading are they going to be the seahawks of old when they come to chicago week number two uh, on monday night football it's an interesting question but it makes it look like a winnable game uh, for the bears west coast team making that long trip it's monday night football you know hostile crowd uh, in chicago and and what have you we'll see we will have to see uh, about that i'm very interested to see how that one is going to uh to turn out And then week number three, we're back on the road out to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And, um, you know, for those of you keeping score at home, um, the following week of at home against Tampa Bay, that will be the first noon slash 1 p.m. Eastern start of the season. Week number four, because the first game is that Sunday night at seven. The second game is Monday night at seven. The third game is the late game, 325 or 425, depending on where you're at. Um the first noon game for us in the Midwest, the game started at noon. First noon game of the season isn't until week four, September 30th, literally the last day of the first month of the season is when the Bears will finally play a noon game. So they, uh, they go on the road to the Cardinals, and right now that is also another winnable game for the Bears. Uh, the quarterback situation is a mess when you're leaning on Bradford and Mike Lennon to dig you out of that hole. Uh, and there's still an there's still a, an outside chance that uh, you know maybe Arizona wants to make a trade to move up to get one of those quarterbacks, or God forbid, one of them slips and falls to them. We'll have to wait and see. But right now they're riding with Bradford and and Glennon as their quarterbacks, and um, David Johnson is coming off that wrist injury. I think he missed all but like three or four games uh, last year, and uh, you know a lot of question marks with the rest of the. Uh, the team they are in a rebuilding mode right now so will they be the team that came in the last time that we played them was in 2015 uh, the last time we played the nfc west and uh, they kicked the hell out of us uh, you know starting with a 106 yard kickoff return by david johnson to start the game so uh, it was ugly from the outset uh, against the cardinals 
And, uh, you know, but this, this is, that was a team that was, that looked like the best team in football, uh, all season and before getting trounced in the NFC championship game by the Panthers. Uh, this is a much different team. You got a brand new head coach in Steve Wilkes, the former defensive coordinator of the Panthers, coincidentally. And, uh, you got new quarterbacks, you know, Carson Palmer has retired. So it's Bradford and Glennon, uh, in that quarterbacking, uh, core, there could be a new rookie quarterback that they're grooming behind the paper doll that is Sam Bradford and, and what have you. Uh, we just don't know. You know, Larry, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, probably one of the best receivers to ever play the game, is getting up there in years. Um, will Calvin Ridley fall to them at 15 and, you know, be able to, to help supplement uh, and, and give, uh, you know, some uh, fodder for, for, for Larry Fitzgerald so they're not always focusing on him and that kind of thing. A lot of question marks with the Cardinals. Uh, even though they're at home, it still looks like a winnable game uh, for the Bears. So aside from that first game of the season against Green Bay, um, you know, Seattle's a question mark. Like, who will they be uh, this year? Have, you know, did they put enough of the pieces back together to be who they were? Or are they still kind of eking their way through it? And then with the Cardinals, it's the same thing. You know, they are more in a more in a rebuilding mode than the, the Seahawks definitely are. But um, nonetheless, this is a team that's not what it was a couple of years ago when it made the playoffs several years in a row and almost made it to the uh, Super Bowl. And then I was talking, we mentioned a minute ago, week four is the home game, the first noon game of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, even though last year's week two matchup in Tampa Bay was a absolute disaster uh, where we saw all the worst of Mike Glennon wrapped up into one game, um, you know, nothing went right in that game. Uh, it was only one of four victories for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, last year. They're actually picking ahead of us in the draft at seven, but nonetheless, they won, they won five games. They were five and 11, just like us. So that the further we got away from that loss to Tampa Bay, the worse that it looked because they looked like one of the worst teams in football there, uh, you know, last year and they kicked our ass, uh, in that game. So bears looking to, 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 to make a little bit back. Uh, Glennon was the quarterback in that game, not Trubisky. Who knows what would happen if he was the guy from the beginning, a lot of what ifs as far as that goes, but uh, nonetheless, we got Green Bay, or excuse me, Tampa Bay, week number four. Then we got a bye week, week number five. And to tell you the truth, I like the early bye week. I really do. I think it's actually perfect uh, for Matt Nagy. Of course, we're talking, you know, five months from now. Um, we don't know, God forbid, what the injury situation might be, who, who needs to get healed up and whatnot. But I think it's perfect for a guy like Nagy, a first-year coach, gets that first month of games out of the way and then really gets to go back and look and assess what worked, what didn't, what changes do we want to make, what do we want to keep doing, uh, and so on. I think it's a really good uh, bye week uh, for, for the Bears uh, with the situation uh, that they're in. You know, most teams don't really get their legs underneath them until about the fifth or sixth se- uh, game uh, of the season. I mean, you saw last year the Chiefs come flying out of the gate 5-0 and and then struggled to make the playoffs uh, for the rest of the year, the NFC, the AFC West, one of the weakest divisions in football last year, and the Chiefs almost got caught by the Chargers, who started the year 0-4, and still they almost caught the Chiefs and won the division uh, last year. That's how hard or how far the Chiefs fell off uh, throughout the course of the season. You know, they started out 5-0, and and at one point they were like 6-5. and They lost five out of six, and just had to struggle to to keep pace with them you know with the with the rest of the league to try to make the playoffs so um you know they were the you know like the Atlanta Falcons did the same thing a few years ago they started out five and oh finished the year seven and nine or, or what have you it's uh it, it really isn't until like week six seven eight when that mid-season thing starts to kick in that people really get their feet settled and they really get to, you know they find out who they are uh, or for the rest of the league to figure them out kind of thing so some of them can keep up the charade and maintain success. Others get figured out and, and end up starting and start losing ball games. So, I mean, that's what happened to the Chiefs last year. It's what happened to the Falcons a few years ago. Uh, I believe the was it the Vikings that happened to started five and zero, didn't make the playoffs, that kind of thing. So, you know, it happens. It definitely happens. And I think it's a that's why it's a good bye week uh, for the Bears. You know, hopefully that we'll be in a you know, two and two situation. That's for me. I'm that to me looks feels like worst case scenario right there. Two and two, 
in the in the in those first four games. We'll see how the rest of it goes. But uh, we got that bye week to reassess, and then when we come back from the bye, we have the entire AFC East back to back to back. We start at Miami, um, at Miami week number six. Then we're home back-to-back games for the Patriots and the Jets, and then on the road to finish out the AFC East at Buffalo. So the month of October and the first week in November dedicated to the AFC East. Now, this is not the first time that that's happened. Uh, If you guys remember back in 2011, I don't think it's happened since, but back in 2011, there was a spot from like week nine to week 12 where we played the entire AFC West. We started with the Chargers, then we played the Raiders, the Chiefs, and then the the Broncos. And um, we started it out with a victory. If you guys remember, 2011 was that year where the Bears kind of started out weak and then came on strong. We were 2-3. and We won five games in a row, including that win over San Diego. And San Diego was the game where Jay Cutler broke his thumb, and we lost him for the rest of the year. And after we lost Cutler... We went one in five for the rest of the year, finishing eight and eight in in 2011. So, um, you know, didn't win the remaining three games against the AFC West. We should have won them all. We were, especially that goddamn Denver game. <sighs> Tebow time. Oh God, what a that was just hell on earth right there, wasn't it? Ugh. Anybody watched the show Lucifer? on Fox, uh, you know, Lucifer is the devil. He's living in LA and all that kind of stuff. The one thing that they talk about is what your, your, your version of is what they call a hell loop. Like basically you get to live the worst possible scenario of your life over and over again. My hell loop would be watching the Tebow game over and over for all of eternity, waiting for the bears to finally win the game over that crappy team. So that would be my hell loop is sitting there and watching that game and watch Tebow come from behind in the fourth quarter and help the Broncos win it in overtime. That's my hell loop. But um, nonetheless, we got those four games. We start at Miami. So we get to to go head to head with, with Adam Gase, uh, our old offensive coordinator and uh, see what he's got cooking. Do the uh, do the Dolphins end up getting themselves a quarterback? Does Baker Mayfield fall to them? Do they do they trade up to try to get somebody? You know that kind of thing. Or is it Tannehill? Now that he's uh, he you know lost last year with a knee injury, is he is he healthy? Is he good to go? Is he still playing? Uh, that kind of thing. We'll see what's going on. There's no more Endomic and Sue uh, out there in Miami. They really did kind of a roster purge too. So I mean, are the Dolphins even going to be any good this year? That's a good question. Uh, for you and then the Patriots uh, this is most likely or definitely should be anyway Christ will be 48 the next time it comes back around but uh, this is definitely Tom Brady's last trip to Soldier Field especially for a regular season game Uh, we haven't beat the guy yet Uh, four chances and we're 0-4 so far uh, against Brady I would like for his last trip to Chicago be the one where uh, the Bears step into the future you know what I mean to have Trubisky outgun Tom Brady, how awesome would that be? You know that, that especially if the Bears get off to a decent start, that feels like a game that maybe could get, you know, either flexed into the um, into that national late afternoon game, or, or God forbid, maybe even be a you know a Sunday night flexer or something like. I don't know if they flex them that early into the Sunday night position, but definitely could. Like if the Bears are four and two or something like that. Maybe they might uh, push that one into the uh, the national TV spotlight for that America's game that they all have in, in the, the late afternoon games. So we'll have to wait and see. And then the Jets uh, come in into Chicago. Uh, what's that one going to be? Who's their quarterback going to be? Is that what they're going to use that number three pick on? God knows they probably should for all that they gave up for it. Um, you know, or will good old Teddy Bridgewater be trying to beat the Bears again uh, because he's the one? Or will it be Josh McCown, the former Bear, and... Buccaneer and and eight other teams. I think he was a Brown at one point. Uh, what else? The Cardinal? That's where he got drafted, was by the Cardinals. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he will be in Chicago on week number eight. And then, like I said, week nine at Buffalo to finish out our four-game stretch against the AFC East. Um, haven't lost a team to the AFC since uh, 2016, I believe. Who do we play in 20? We played the AFC South, which was a disaster. Um, we should have won all those games, and I think we were one and three in those four games. Or were we on four? 
No, we were 0-4. We lost every single game in the AFC South. We lost to Tennessee. We lost to Jacksonville. We definitely lost to Indy, and we started the season losing to Houston. So we were 0-4 in 2016, but somehow we were the AFC North champions last year, and we beat all four of those squads in 2017. It counted for four of our five victories last season was the AFC North. So, I mean, it's an ugly, ugly schedule that we have if we don't play the North last year. But um, we'll see how it goes. You know, we haven't, uh, maybe we'll be the AFC East champs this year. Wouldn't that be nice? But, um, and then with week number 10, which could officially be the second half of the season, um, we got a, we got three games in 11 days. Uh, we started off at home on Veterans Day, November 11th, against the Detroit Lions. That's a noon start on Fox. Then home again for the Vikings. I mean, both of the f- both of our first games of the year against Minnesota and Detroit are in November. So we're going to have to get to, after we play Green Bay week one, we don't play another division game until week 10. So from week 10 to week 17, we have five division games in the final eight day, in the final five division games in the final eight. That's uh, that's a lot of important football being played in the second half of the season, and that's where I get nervous uh, when I start looking at the schedule. You know, we got Detroit on Veterans Day, we got Minnesota at home the following week, where normally the Bears win that game. Then we go Thanksgiving. We're we're on the road at Detroit for Thanksgiving on the twenty second. So three games in eleven days against division opponents. I mean, that's that's bananas right there but that's the road that the bears are going to have to hoe they get that uh you know semi bye week after the thanksgiving game come back week 13 on the road at the giants and you know they're the real question mark if you guys remember when when scott wright and i were talking about the draft last week number two that is an interesting spot in the draft will the giants get a king's ransom to trade out of the spot Will they take a quarterback like many experts think they should? Will it be Bradley Chubb like Scott Wright thinks it will be? Or will they take Saquon Barkley? Dave Gettleman there, the GM for the Giants, has been talking a lot about how much he loves Saquon Barkley. So it could all be a smokescreen, you know, trying to get people who want him to come up and get him or or what have you. But, um, you know... The, the, I think that the, the first top, the top half of the draft will hinge on what the Giants do at number two. So who will be the guy that we're seeing up close and personal for the first time? Will it be Barkley coming out of the backfield? Will, uh, will we be uh, trying to make sure that uh, you know, we keep uh, Trey Burton in on some pass routes to, to make sure he chips Bradley Chubb? You know? Or will we be sending Leonard Floyd and company to get after Josh Rosen or whoever the Giants end up taking at number two? So... That's the real question mark going into the draft next week is what is what are the Giants doing at number two and what will what will happen uh, after that? So real, uh, real interesting to see who the Giants are going to, you know, what they're going to do uh, with that with that spot and uh, what kind of team are we going to be facing week number 13. And then the last four games, the last quarter of the season, we got two on the road and two at home. Those two home games, uh, we got the L.A. Rams coming in on December 9th. Then we got the Green Bay Packers coming in for the second half. And then the last two games are on the road at San Francisco. That's that's a late game, a 3 o'clock start on Fox against the 49ers. And then we're at Minnesota for the third year in a row, I think the fourth time in five seasons or something like that, that we're finishing at Minnesota. That one's just, I just whatever it is about the NFL, that one's locked in for the last three years. That's exactly what's been happening. Green Bay and Detroit. Chicago and Minnesota, and more like most, more more importantly, Chicago in Minnesota uh, to finish out the year. So I don't know why. You know, it's kind of boring for it to be the same time. You know, why can't the Bears finish the year with Green Bay? Why can't we finish it with Detroit? I think that would be fun. Uh, but no, we got uh, Minnesota in Minnesota for the third year in a row. So there you have it. But those last four games: the Rams, the Packers, the 49ers. Minnesota. If the the season even goes the way that most people think it will, the Rams will be close to, if not already, a playoff team at that point. The 49ers, if they turn out to be this magic turnaround team uh, of 2018 with Garoppolo and all the work that they've been doing to rebuild their roster, you got Green Bay and Minnesota. Minnesota being the defending division champ, Green Bay looking to bounce back from a bad year. 
that's a lot of important football being played by teams that have something to play for in that time of the year. And that's what kind of makes me nervous. Can the Bears kind of navigate this schedule to be in a good position going into the last four games and then run into a buzzsaw like the Rams, the Packers, the 49ers, and the Vikings? Now, this is all what if and, you know, uh, conjecture and, and, and what have you. But, um, you know, if if the season unfolds the way a lot of people think it will, everyone thinks that San Francisco's going to be that team. I mean, look how much they improved uh, when Garoppolo finally started playing. He started with that victory over the Bears in Week 13, and he didn't stop losing until the season was over. You know, the guy hasn't lost the game as a starter. They've locked him in for the next five years. He's there. You know, all the pressure is off at that point. And they've been going out and making sure they build up the roster. They got a ton of picks to work with, including our third-round pick this year uh, and everything else in between. So this is a team that's got draft capital. Um, it's it's an exciting team that, that people want to be a part of. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of a, you know, bringing, returning a team like the 49ers back to their former glory? You know, who wouldn't want to be there on that team when if and when that happens? And, uh, you know, the 49ers have become a, a destination that people want to go to. They had a ton of money to spend in free agency and uh, and what have you, and they're in a good spot in the draft. They're picking ninth overall uh, this year. So, I mean, and they got extra picks in the second round, extra picks in the third. I think that they got a second rounder from the Saints. Um, they, they, uh, they gave up a second rounder to, so the Saints could draft Alvin Kamara. Now, that's a deal the Saints would make, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday with the way that that worked out. But... They gave up their second-round pick in 2018 to the 49ers, so the 49ers have two second-rounders, two third-rounders that I know of. That's just off the top of my head, and I'm sure they've got plenty of other stuff to to work with uh, as well. So if that's if the last if the season kind of turns out the way it is, the 49ers are going to have something to play for. Minnesota, if they still are the team that they were last year, if Kirk Cousins comes in and plays as well as as people think he might in that system. It's a lot of meaningful uh, football, you know, taking place that late in the year by people who need to keep winning, you know, and will it, uh, you know, will the Bears get steamrolled in those last four weeks? It's not a pretty four weeks of the season, in my opinion. Now, based on like win loss records and everything, you know, Green Bay, seven and nine, eight and eight, whatever they were last year, uh, you know, San Francisco, six and 10, you know, had a hot streak there at the end of the season you know beat the bears beat the you know beat the jags and titans and things like that they had some good wins uh in there you know but um will reality set in or will the 49ers you know step up and be who people think they're going to be that's a real question uh for them so uh those last four games is what makes me nervous there you know i'm not crazy about playing detroit twice in 11 days but uh that's you know, be fun to see the Bears play on Thanksgiving Day. That'll be fun, but um, you know, whatever. The last four games is where I get kind of nervous. You know, the first four games: Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona, Tampa Bay. A lot of question marks on all four of those teams. Quite frankly, you know, will Green Bay be able to bounce back now that Aaron Rodgers is healthy and uh, and, and what have you? Uh, will they be able to protect him better than they did last season? Um, you know. Will they will they be able to use the draft to to fix up that secondary that just got picked apart uh, last year and 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 all the rest of the question marks that are swirling uh, around Green Bay at this moment? Will Jimmy Graham have the impact that they hope that he will uh, for ten million dollars a season that they signed him to uh, and what have you? Can the can Seattle bounce back and be you know one of the more dominating and, and feared teams uh, in football or will they keep spiraling like they did last year? Will Arizona be able to bounce back? Was uh, was uh, last year a fluke for the Buccaneers, and they really are a team on the rise. And uh, you know they just had a bad run of things last year. You know those first four games look a lot easier to navigate for the Bears than than the first than the first four games of the season have been for us in the last few years. So you know I'm looking forward to the start of the season, getting things underway. Um, but the, those last four games, that's for me, that's where it kind of gets scary. You know, granted, Green Bay and, and, and L.A. are home games uh, at San Francisco. I don't know if we're still going to be playing with that whole, uh, you know, the Bears don't win. Uh, the last time we were in San Francisco was the first time we've won in San Francisco since Reagan was president, literally. Uh, 
but uh you know usually san francisco is a graveyard for the bears they just you know just dig the holes and just go lay down in them because you're gonna get killed uh you know in 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 san francisco and then of course the bears just flat out don't win in minnesota it hasn't happened since 2006 so um or 2011 i'm sorry we 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 finished 2011 with a victory in minnesota so anyway when i look at the schedule that's where the problem areas side uh, for me, the AFC East has has been a top heavy division for several years now. I mean, granted, Buffalo was a playoff team last year, but they needed help uh, to get in. This wasn't a team that busted their way into the into the playoffs. They needed help to get in, and they were easily ousted by the the Jacksonville Jaguars in the in the wild card round. So this was the last team in, first team out uh, of the playoffs uh, this year, and um, they're going to have a different quarterback situation. Uh, going on are they going to be able to you know to use their draft capital to get the quarterback they want uh or they will be will they be settling uh for somebody um instead of uh you know having a future at the position uh they let tyrod taylor go who's in cleveland now and um you know i I don't even know if they've re if they've signed anybody i know they have uh, that rookie peterman i think is his name um was a disaster when he finally started but um Nonetheless, the, the the coach and the GM are high on this kid. So will they let him, you know, be the guy or will they go out and get themselves a uh, a Rosen or a Mayfield or, uh, or whoever at the quarterback uh, position? Um, they've got two first round picks to uh, to play with. So we'll see what goes on there. And I believe Scott Wright said they got two second rounders, too. So they've got a lot of money to play with as far as making some moves. Uh, in the draft I'm very excited about this year's draft actually I'm expecting to you know see what who's going to make that exciting move who's going to be the Chicago Bears of this year and come from out of nowhere to trade up and get a quarterback that nobody knew that they wanted uh kind of thing so we'll have to wait and see uh on that one but um you know like I said the AFC East um you know is that going to be a much improved division or is it going to be much to do about nothing you know, are the Bears going to be able to steamroll the Jets uh, again? Will they be able to, you know, uh, get get back against the uh, the Bills? You know, that embarrassing uh, Week One loss in 2014 uh, to Buffalo. That one sucked. That for sure. Well, it was an overtime loss to the Bills uh, on that one. I remember how pissed off that game made me. And um, you know, the Dolphins. Eh. We, at least we got them in Miami because they always seem to have our number in Chicago for some reason. And, uh, you know, the last two trips they've made to Chicago in 06 and 2014 were low points for both of those teams. Number one, in 2006, it was the first loss of the year for the Bears. Um, I think we were 6 or 7-0 and at the time. We lost that first game uh, at home against the Dolphins. And then in 2014, if you guys remember... That was the game where the wheels came off. That's where the, the inmates were starting to run the asylum. That was the famous game where the reporters were standing outside the locker room waiting to be allowed in to talk to the players. And many of them were reporting about all the yelling and screaming that they heard coming from inside that locker room uh, after, after the Bears were embarrassed by the, uh, by the Dolphins at home in front of their home crowd. I think we were 3-5 and five, uh, after that loss. And Brandon Marshall famously talking about um you know how terrible we are and you know how embarrassing it was to lose in front of our fans like that and so on and so forth it was uh, a low point and at least we get uh you know because when we went to miami in 2010 granted we were a playoff team in 2010 but uh we kicked their ass on thursday night football shut them out if i'm not mistaken it was only like a 19 to nothing game but nonetheless we killed Miami in Miami the last time we were there. So maybe we can repeat history here and uh, get a decent victory against the Dolphins. Uh, it'll be uh, October, so I don't think uh, weather will be as big a factor as it would be, say, if we were playing them in, like, I don't know, sep- you know, early September when it's when it's still summery outside at, at times. I mean, the weather sucks in Miami year-round as far as heat and humidity are concerned, so it'll probably be an issue, but probably not as bad as it would be uh, if we played them earlier uh, in the season. But, um, you know, the one real worry, the one where you were like, you're automatically just giving the Bears an L just because is the Patriots. And, um, you know, how much of what's been going on with them is going to affect them this year? You know, they they seem so bulletproof for so many years, 
But this is like one of those off seasons, you know, Brady still hasn't committed to playing football in 2018, even though the guy said he wants to play for 10 more years. Uh, he said that last year before he got his ass kicked in the Super Bowl, though. Um, you know, is the is the shine coming off the of the apple with with the with the Patriots? You know, is Belichick on his way out? You know, what about that deal with with McDaniel's and him taking the, the Colts job and then 24 hours before they're going to announce him, he quits and uh, or you know refuses the job and goes back to the the Patriots. What's going on there? Did they promise him the job uh, when when Belichick finally retires and? All that kind of stuff, you know, just the, the kind of thing they're kind of just putting on themselves by putting themselves in these spots uh, where controversy just seems to swirl around this team despite the W's they continue to put on the board. Will that catch up with them eventually? We'll see. We'll see. So it's week seven. It's right in the middle of the year. We're only a couple weeks off the bye. So we'll see how much uh, it all factors in and see if uh, – and it's at home, thank God. Can we, uh, you know, can Trubisky really step up and, and out-duel uh, Tom Brady in Chicago wouldn't that be something to get our to get our one and only victory against Brady uh, for for Trubisky to be the one that has a hand in it uh, and and whatnot so um, you know the last time Matt Nagy played against uh, Belichick they rang him up for like 45 points on on Sunday, uh, Thursday night football to kick off the year they embarrassed the defending world champions on national TV and Tyreek Hill and uh, and all those guys really made a they made a fool out of the champs on on the inauguration day. So uh, we'll see. You know, Nagy's had good success against New England, and uh, we'll see if he can uh, you know continue that uh, when he runs into the Patriots week number seven. So you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait to get started uh, and see how this is going to be. Um, definitely looking forward to week one. I wish it wasn't against the Packers just because. But, you know, like I said at the start of the show, um, is the NFL setting Green Bay up to fail? Is Green Bay setting themselves up to fail? This is the game they requested. They wanted to be on national TV at Lambeau to kick off the 100th season of, of Green Bay Packer football. Uh, they, they dig themselves into a hole where they're going to be embarrassed on this night, you know, thinking that, uh, oh, we'll have a division rival. We always kick the crap out of Chicago. So we'll just, you know, let's do that. And, um, you know, maybe Nagy catches them sleeping. Uh, brings out a few things that nobody saw coming. And the next thing you know, uh, Green Bay kicks off year number 100 with an embarrassing loss to their division rival on national TV. So, um, you know, maybe that's what will unfold. I, I hope that that is definitely it. That would be a lot of fun to see it go down that way. So uh, anyway, let's take one more look at the schedule here, see if we can find any uh, goofy things. Um, you know, aside from like the first four weeks of the season, it's uh, – away, home, away, home. And then the last six home games of the season are in bunches. We get two, we get back-to-back home games for the rest of the year. We got back-to-back New England and the Jets, week seven and eight. We got Detroit and Minnesota, 10 and 11. And then the last two home games, 14 and 15 against the Rams uh, and the Packers. So it's not going to be as spread out as before. They're kind of uh, in bunches there. Um you know, and aside from the, playing the AFC East in four straight weeks, there's really nothing quirky about the schedule. You know, like I said, I'm not really crazy about the playing Detroit twice in 11 days. I'm not crazy about the Bears playing three games in 11 days. But we get to see the Bears play on Thanksgiving, which will be fun, win or lose. It's always an entertaining matchup, and it's against the Lions. And if you guys remember when we talked to Jeremy Reisman last time we had him on the show. Um, as lopsided as the games have been between, you know, Chicago and Green Bay, even though that's our biggest rivalry, it's not the, I think, the truest rivalry in the division. And I think that's the Bears and the Lions right now. You know, it's it's kind of like where you can toss the record books. All the games are competitive. It always comes down to the fourth quarter and the last play and so on and so forth. That's definitely how it played out last year uh, with both teams and, uh, and and what have you. So, for the for to be able to showcase that rivalry on on Thanksgiving Day with the whole world watching, that would be fun, you know. I think it'll probably be a decent game whether we come in and, and lose it or not. It, it's uh, you know, I think we we'll still think it'd be fun to see what happens on uh, Thanksgiving Day. So, even though I'm not crazy about the three games in eleven days and playing twice, that's old school too, playing uh, playing the same team twice in three weeks. I mean, we've been seeing it more and more in the last few years with the NFL schedule. But that's something you see all the time. Um, back when the uh, before the realignment, 
when there were six teams in the NFC Central and uh, uh, and whatnot, it wasn't unusual to see the Bears play the Buccaneers week four and week six uh, back in the day. You know, it used to happen all the time. It used to happen every year that they, that we did something like that with someone. It was usually almost always Tampa Bay that the Bears would do that with. They played them week three, then they play them again week five, and that was it. We're done with Tampa Bay until next year uh, and, and what have you. But, um, you know, you haven't seen that much. And then in the last few years, you've kind of been seeing, I think, the the Saints and the Falcons did that last year. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, it was like the, the Patriots played the Bills twice in three weeks or something like that. And this year, it finally falls on the Bears. They're playing Detroit week 10 and week 12. And the week 12 is on Thanksgiving Day. So we're not even getting a full 14 days between visits with the, uh, with the Lions. It's probably going to feel like we just played them uh, because of the short turnaround. But um, that's an interesting stretch there. Those three games, Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit, bang, 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 uh, just like that. And, um, you know, after we get done with the AFC East, we dive headfirst into five division games in the last eight. So that's a lot of important football being played. And then, like I mentioned before, the Rams and the Packers, the 49ers and the Vikings in those last four games, these are teams that if it all turns out the way people think it will, are all going to be fighting for jockeying for position and playoff berths and all that kind of stuff. And the bears are in their way. Can we play the spoiler to some of these teams and, and ruin their chances? You know, will the bears be in the middle of something? You never know. Can we be the, the Rams or the, the Eagles this year? Is this the good, the perfect schedule to set us up to do that? Or is that last month of the schedule as ominous as I think it might be? So interesting questions. And we've got, I don't know how many days, but uh, today is the 20th of April, 420. So smoke them if you got them. And, um, you know, there's 10 days left in this month and then another, you know, four months and nine days after that before we kick things off on September the 9th at Green Bay for Sunday Night Football. So I think that's enough. I think I've talked about the schedule just enough uh, for that. So uh, schedule release show is in the can and um, we will be back after the draft. So probably about a week or so after the draft, once the Bears have had time to uh, fill out their um, undrafted rookie free agent pool. How did it turn out? Did the Bears end up making a trade with somebody? Did we um, you know, acquire some picks? Or did Ryan Pace move up? There's been a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I've seen some articles about um, you know because the Bears needing a pass rusher the way that they do, Will Ryan Pace be his usual self in the first round and make a move to try to get his hands on Bradley Chubb? I mean, if number one, if the Giants don't take him at two and if the Browns don't take him at four and he's still available at five when the when the Broncos are on the board, we'd only have to jump up three spots. You know, I wonder how much it would take for the Bears to be able to do that, to move up to five and get their hands on the best pass rusher in the draft and uh, put him as a bookend to, to Leonard Floyd. And would that be the missing piece in our defensive puzzle? You know, when we finally got the tools to have an, a pass rush, you know, we got Hicks and we got Goldman who are beasts up the middle, but we got nothing coming off the edge. You know, Leonard Floyd's getting all the attention because McPhee and, and Willie Young and Lamar Houston and, and what are not really much of a danger in the pass rushing era or area, I should say. Will having Bradley Chubb on one side and Leonard Floyd on the other, will that be the piece that we need to get a lot of one-on-one attention, you know, from the tackles and uh, be able to get after that quarterback and make some things happen defensively for us? You know, is that something that uh, Ryan Pace will do if that happens? If Bradley Chubb makes it past the first four picks and is sitting there at five when the Broncos are on the board and they've got Von Miller, they don't need a pass rusher. It would be just it would be a luxury and an expensive one at that a luxury for them at five. Will they take the bait and trade down? I mean, they have uh, they signed Case Keenum, so a quarterback isn't an emergent need uh, for them. But uh, you know, will they sit tight at five and take uh, you know Baker Mayfield or whoever the you know the quarterback they desire is still on the board and pass on Bradley Chubb because if. If he makes it past the Broncos at five, then he's most likely going to be an Indianapolis Colt because God knows he would be the best player on the board at that point, and the Colts would be stupid not to take him. Um, or will they trade with the Bears and, and build up more draft capital because they're in serious rebuilding mode at this point 
Will they go after the draft capital and take the picks and uh, let the Bears have their guy? Or, uh, you know, what have you. Will Ryan Pace be aggressive like he has been in the first round these last couple of years and um, make a move like that? I mean, that would be a hell of a move right there. To go ahead and get Bradley Chubb, oof, that would change things for us. If, if Chubb is everything that everyone thinks he's going to be, I heard Mel Kuyper say the other day uh, on SportsCenter that uh, he's better than Miles Garrett. He's a, if, if, uh, if Bradley Chubb comes out last year, when Miles Garrett is coming out, there's a competition for that number one spot in the draft between those two. He believes that uh, that Chubb is a better pass rusher than Miles Garrett. So, who knows? I mean, would would it be wouldn't that be something if the Bears could get their hands on on him? That would be just outstanding. You know, how will it fall with with uh, with Quentin Nelson? We'll be able to add him to the fold and and what have you. A lot of question marks. Like I said, I'm excited about the draft. And seeing how it will all unfold, who's going to make the trade, the exciting moves, and uh, and whatnot. But um, regardless of what happens, Scott Wright and I will be here to uh, sift through the rubble and uh, kind of figure out what it is. Um, what kind of draft grade would he give the Bears after their uh, 2018 class is presented? Which of those rookie free agents uh, is he a fan of? Which one do we get that should have been drafted? Uh, and things like that. So we'll get all those questions answered. All mysteries will be solved the next time that we come back with the 2018 draft review. Then we'll take a little bit of a break. And then right around Memorial Day, that kind of time, right at the end of May, the 2018 opponent preview shows will begin. And we're going to be getting started with the Giants and the Buccaneers, our same place teams. And for anyone who follows me on Twitter, uh, you already know that um, Ren Dax and Brent Allen from the PewterCast are on board to come back and help us preview 2018 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I know there are some of you out there who don't like the opponent previews because we don't really talk about the Bears during that time. Um, you know, I don't swear very often uh, on this show, but uh, tough shit. That is just going to happen. I enjoy doing those shows, and I get way more positive feedback uh, on those episodes. As a matter of fact, I had somebody tweet me the other day asking, if there were going to be opponent preview episodes. As a matter of fact, that's what triggered me asking Ren Dax and Brent Allen to come back on the show. So I know that you guys like those opponent previews and you're in a huge majority against those that don't. So they will be back. I enjoy doing them. You guys enjoy listening to them. If you don't, then don't listen. Come back in, uh, in when, when training camp kicks off and we can do the preseason reviews before we dive into the regular season. So We'll be back with those opponent previews. Come hell or high water, we'll start with our same place opponents, move on to the AFC East, then the NFC West, before we get into the North and uh, our old friends in uh, Evan Western, Jeremy Reisman, Chris Gates, and then probably Lauren Cox to get us through, talk to the Bears to finish things up before we dive into training camp. So it's how I pass the time in the summer is doing those shows and uh, how we uh, break up the monotony that is the what's coming after the draft is that huge lull period after the draft from the end of April to the end of July when training camp finally gets started. Uh, it's a three month, it's a it's twelve weeks of just bleh is what it is, and uh, I can't wait to start getting through that. And how I maintain sanity during that time is those opponent previews. So we'll get started with those and uh, dig our way through. And before you know it. Training camp will be here. The preseason will get kicked off at the Hall of Fame game for the Bears and the Ravens. And then we'll be diving into that schedule. And uh, it'll be Bears and Packers September 9th on Sunday Night Football. So it's all going to come no matter what. We're four months away from the four and a half months away from the start of the season. That sounds like a lot, but it'll be here in no time. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the NFL Draft Review. Who do we get our hands on? What were the surprise trades? What does Scott Wright have to say about it? We'll have all of that and so much more. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.